Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the history of rock. His name is Brandon. He's the DJ. His name is Shim. He's the rock star. I am willing to bet you almost Shut up. just said. Shut up. The history of rock. That's why you paused. Yeah, like, yeah, you notice I know. he with the I know. history of I know. rock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But I the thing that pissed me off is the moment that history came and there was a pause. I was like, he's going to fucking bring it up. He's going to bring it up. I do the same thing, man. I do the same I thing. Know. I'll promote this. <laughs> Because we had the same thing. Welcome to Rockstar 101. His name is Brandon. He's, it was like a fucking, it was like a one sentence. There was no spaces in between. But anyway, that's I, gonna, I, this I is going to be time. really funny when this podcast blows up and people go back and go, I want to watch the, I want to watch Pearl Jam's 10. That's one of my favorite records. And they're going to go, what's Rockstar 101? They're going to, they're going to, they're going to have to go back and find it because we keep talking about it. Yeah. Just because we can't get the name right. Uh-huh. <laughs> Anyway, so yeah, as uh, as Shim mentioned, if you're watching the video version of this, you can look right above my right shoulder. We have the Pearl Jam 10 album right there because we'll be covering the next couple of episodes. You're pointing the wrong direction, Shim. Um, the next couple episodes, we're going to be covering Pearl Jam's 10. Previous episodes, we had Mother Love Bone, and then we went into Temple of the Dog, and now, of course, Pearl Jam's 10. And um, the first things I really want to get to here, though, is that uh, some current news. Uh, Mark Lanigan passed away. I wanted to bring that up because he was one of my favorite singers I, from the grunge movement, I guess we can we can call it that. He was the voice behind the Screaming Trees. Uh, he had also worked with Queens of the Stone Age. And another one of my favorite bands, Mad Season. So Mad Season was kind of a super group that had Lane Staley on the vocals. Um and, and Mark Lanigan uh, helped him out on a few things. And when they were going to record a second album, it got to the point where uh, Lane Staley kind of bounced out. He was like, ah, I'm done with Mad Season. I don't want to do it. But they both have that very dark, deep, kind of brooding, haunting voice. like Almost like that smoker's voice a little bit. And um, So they, were gonna, they worked on a second album, but it never ended up getting released. So I'm presenting you this question, Jim. So the, You're this presenting episode, me this question. I am presenting okay. you this question. And you know what? I'm presenting yeah. this question for anybody listening because yeah, you, could be, you can be listening to us here on Spotify or Apple or Google, or more importantly, you can be watching us on YouTube. You can watch on Shim's YouTube channel. You can also watch on my YouTube channel, at uh, The Real Brandalorian, by the way. So go, go follow me and watch it on my channel. I want my numbers higher than Shim's. Doesn't matter. Anyway, um... So that's why this his ep- picture is bigger than mine, by the way. His picture is slightly bigger than mine, if you've noticed. No, that's why. His it's head why. Zoomed in more. Oh, I was going to say, that's why. Or is it I, wider? I, there's a nice, big, shiny spot because I got a new light up here. So it's right. so, to accentuate because Shim, remember, don't, don't forget to do this. Grab yeah. the attention. Grab the attention. Put your hand right. up in front of the camera. Let's get back so to anyway, it. What's your question? Back to the question. Um, and so, in, for anybody, if you're watching this on YouTube or if you want to send us a message on any of our social medias, um, the next episodes after Pearl Jam's 10, we're going to be covering Soundgarden's Bad Motorfinger. After that, I haven't had any plans. I've been kind of waiting to see how everything maps out. And with Mark Lanigan passing away, I was kind of thinking we should go with Screaming Trees. So, for anybody who's listening or watching this, comment. Let us know if you would be cool with that. Shim, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, Bad Motorfinger was one of my seminal records. You're never going to get me to vote out that. <laughs> well, no, you know, you're, not vo- <laughs> you're not voting out that. We're not talking about that. It would be after well, Bad Motorfinger. What you, well, here's the thing. This is this is the thing that I love about this podcast now. Like, 10, I, I jammed this record. Everyone jammed this record relentlessly, right? You know every song off the record. Mm-hmm. Same thing with uh, Rage Against the Machine's first record, Nevermind, Bad Motorfinger. There are certain records that are like that. Uh, Siamese Dream, 
you know, there are records that I'm really looking forward to going back to and deep diving and going, man, I remember this thing, remember that thing. There's other ones like Screaming Trees, for example, I never got into. That was not a band that I was into. So then I got to go back and listen to it just so that we can talk about it and go, oh, and discover all these things. So I'm not really, I'm in a unique position. I'm not really too fussed. I think if I had to choose, I like the nostalgia of going back and listening to uh, records that I've heard as opposed to ones that I haven't and, and then all the memories pop up, but that's what music's great for, the sense memory, how it triggers everything. Mm-hmm. So yeah, triggers, triggers. And <laughs> and um, so yeah, I, I honestly, man, I'm looking for, I'm really interested in what everyone comments down below. So please comment down below and let us know your thoughts because this is just an adventure for us now. Yeah, I mean, I had the first four episodes planned out. After that, not a whole lot. Yeah, but, not so uh, much. Yeah, so before we get to the album here, too, something else that we brought up on previous episodes is um, apparently I am related in some way, shape, or form to Glenn Campbell. I finally found out my dad was listening to that episode, and he texts me, hey, uh, this is what the connection is. That's how you found out. Yeah, so um, it was my grandfather, my dad's dad, his mom was a Campbell. So my great-grandmother was a Campbell. And... Did you follow You're that? kidding. Yeah. Yeah, sort of. So they it, after that, it just they went on their own trajectory. Yes. And now so, you're. So what, could, have you figured out? Does that make you like eighth cousin or something? Oh, it's it's so it's so far. I, I'm not even sure what it is. But um, my dad told me the story of. I guess it was right after my grandfather passed away, which was um, 2001, I believe, and. Um, my grandmother and my aunt went to a Campbell family reunion, and Glenn was there. So you, <laughs> wow. I guess that's, that's how it goes dope. down. So now here's my I question. Guess that's how it goes down. And here's my question for you: Could right. you write a song about me yeah. being a Campbell? So, of course, if this is your first time tuning into the history of rock, we're going to take a few breaks every now and then with Shim grabbing his guitar and completely riffing. He did one on Mookie Blaylock, which, of course, we'll be bringing up again here. Okay, I'm trying to think what. Campbell. Let me go to this. Should we try to rhyme it? Hold on one second. Why isn't that plugged in? That should be working. Hold on one second. I texted this. There it is. I don't know We're why. Talking Campbell, not soup, ladies and talking gentlemen. Campbell. I was going to. Here's the thing. I'm going to be like, there's going to be a Campbell reference in there. What? Hold on a second. I'm trying to think. Oh, fucking. I, I'm trying to think of anything, anything that's interesting. Because I got, here's the thing. I got something for like even flow on the back end, but you know what? Like, nah, here's what we'll do. We'll come back to it. We'll come back to this because otherwise I'm going to write something horrible. Horrible, horrible, horrible. And I got an idea for something later, but I'll okay. come back to this. Okay. All right, we'll come, we'll, we'll, we'll come back to that song. So anyway. Psych for everyone who's there. Here we go. So we're going to jump in right here to Pearl Jam's 10. It was released on August 27th, 1991. First single released on July 7th was Alive. Even Flow was then released oh, almost a year later. Is. Oh, here we go. I know what it is. Yeah. It is. Did you know <laughs> he's related to Glenn Campbell in a minor way? Yeah, yeah. Dad? Was it your dad or your granddad? It was my dad. Well, my oh. your dad texted him about a week ago. Did you know? Yeah! Crap! I totally meant I need to get um, my applause machine. Hold on one second here because I wanted to get that so that we can get Shim fully knowing here when uh, um, he gets his song done. So I'll get this loaded up for the next time that you do one. But yeah, so there you go. Back to back to Pearl Jam's ten. 
Yeah. So uh, it was alive, then even flow, then Jeremy. That was released in uh, September 27th, 1992. And then there was a fourth track that was released outside of the United States, and that's called Oceans. We're going to get more into that song uh, coming isn't up as that well. Fucking, isn't that amazing when you think about it, that you have, <clears throat> like, there are certain records where you have three seminal, absolutely seminal, timeless songs on one album. Like, most bands are lucky to get one seminal song, let alone three seminal songs over, like, a whole career. But to have them all on one record, that really is the point where you can go, yeah, we could retire. They could have fucking retired. They yep. wouldn't be Pearl Jam, but they'd still be touring and they'd still sell out. They'd be oh. like Wheatus. <laughs> are you just a teenage dirtbag, baby? Yeah, yeah. One song's all you need. Three, you got a career. Well, it's really interesting that you bring that up because uh, coming up in the next episode, we're going to talk about Kurt Cobain's reaction to Pearl Jam a little bit. Mm. And it kind of goes into that because early on, there seemed to be a lot of animosity between uh, Kurt Cobain and Pearl Jam. It lessened through time when Cobain finally started to actually meet Kurt Vedder. Or uh, Kurt Vedder, Eddie Vedder. Kurt Vedder. Hey, Kurt Vedder. Um, and so we're going to get into that because one of the things that Kurt Cobain talked about was he could have taken a couple of the songs from Nevermind and then just... Or I'm sorry, all of the songs, and then spanned them out over a 14-year period, so that he had a couple of solid hits on an album, and then he just yeah. had a bunch of filler, and that's what you yeah. would make you a successful band. But he was like, "I yeah. want to put everything I have into every album," and he was kind of calling out Pearl Jam in that's that sense. That's some bullshit. That's some bullshit right well, there. Well, I want to know in the you know what? I want to know in the comments section if you guys buy that. Do you think that Ten has filler? Because I'm open to the concept, but I don't think it does. I was listening to it yesterday again, and I'm like, dude, I forgot how dope every track on this fucking album is. I I don't think there's any way that you could call any of it filler. This no. is truly one of those albums that front yeah. to back, you're able to truly listen to. And then, when, of course, coming up at the end of the next episode, we are going to put our three songs from Pearl Jam's 10. And this is where it's going to start to get difficult with an album like this. We have a, a playlist that's on Spotify yeah. that's the History of Rock grunge playlist so far we've got put up three songs from mother love bone we have three songs from temple of the dog we're gonna get to three songs here from pearl jam and we can only pick three from ten we're gonna fight we're gonna fight wait okay tease it a little bit are your oh did um, you pick singles or what, what are you going no with? i didn't i i didn't pick singles for all of them no okay all right well we're okay. gonna get to that coming up in the uh, end of the next episode so anyway, so we're going to jump into something. We, we learned this last time, even made a promo about it. It was about Pearl Jam. They were originally named Mookie Blaylock. That was for the New Jersey Nets. At the, uh, he was playing for the New Jersey Nets at that time, not the New York Mets. I put that up on the Pearl Jam subreddit, and holy crap, <laughs> the people in the Pearl Jam subreddit are very uptight about Pearl Jam. It's like, holy crap. Let's pump the brakes there, pals. Just a Did little bit. Did you know Pearl Jam fans are crazy? Man, we tried to spam them, but they chased us away. <laughs> yeah, dude, I'm telling you, man. Like, I've always known that it's Pearl just a fucking video guys. I know Pearl Jam, like Pearl Jam fans. They, they're, they're, there's diehards out there, but there's also some that you guys are taking this stuff way too seriously. I've almost thought about let's put one piece of misinformation in the episode just to F with them. You know what Done. I mean? Like, just yeah. do one thing that we know is wrong, that you know we, we know they're going to lose their minds This is what we about. should do. You say, Even Flow was originally entitled, Did You Know? <laughs> Cut it and make it a promo and let them know how it really is. 
I could do that. So I, I think it's a great idea. I can't even remember if I put this. I, I think I completely missed this one fact on this whole show sheet that I sent to you. But the reason that the album was called Ten is because Mookie Blaylock's number was ten. I thought it was because the, the oh, okay. Did did everyone assume it was because the amount of tracks? And I'm gonna probably put my foot in my mouth. Are there, there are ten tracks on the record, right? Eleven. Eleven tracks. I I never paid any. Here's the thing. I never paid any attention to it, and I never put the record on front to back like that. I just always listened to it in on repeat. I never counted the tracks. Around. I always assumed it was because there was 10 tracks on the album. Well, and there's, so it was because that was their lucky number. That was uh, Mookie that was, Blaylock's number. That was his number. So when did you really That's start cool. listening to 10? Because we've covered this before, is that it wasn't until Silverchair really kind of broke loose. Yeah. I came in on the second album to third album for almost all of these seminal bands because I'm not an old fucking man like Brandon. <laughs> Uh, so old. I came in around 95, 96 and my, my, um, basically it was a year after Frog Stomp was dropped. Frog Stomp was dropped in 94. So by 95, I was buying all the CDs. So I'd missed the first three years of all the really amazing shit. Oh, but then again, you're also yeah. living half a world away. So was that, was yeah. Brent, did yeah. it really even hit that big in Australia? Yeah. Yeah. No, at, at that yeah. time in like 91, yeah. 92. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, at 91, 92. Uh, here's the thing in 91, 92, I was like 10 in primary school. So I wasn't paying attention to that stuff. Once I got to high school and suddenly it all opens up and everyone's wearing flannels and people have got patches and they're like punks and grungies and dance kids and fucking whatever. And there's like, oh, there's all these clubs and you don't really see that until you get to high school. As soon as high school hit, it was it was like an yeah, it was huge. So no, it was massive. It was like I, I did the same fucking thing. You go and you find some old flannel shirt just so you can tie it around your waist and you know, all that shit. <laughs> Dude, I had the I had the one where it's you know it's shaved on the sides and in the back, and you let the top grow down over we it. We need a photo my hair actually of that. went down. I do. I'll you know what? I have them here somewhere, and I'll start scanning them in because it, you know if you pulled it down, it actually went down to my my jawline, like my chin. That's great. Right, awesome. Next, so what next, was next back? What buddy. was next? Next one. So, okay, here we go. By the way, for everyone who's wondering, I have read some of these, but I don't read all of them because I want to, you know, be surprised and have a real reaction for you guys. So Pearl Jam has outsold many of their contemporaries from the early 90s and are considered to be one of the most influential bands of the decade. That's not surprising, considering that most of the other bands either didn't survive or took 20 year hiatuses. You know which band I wish had not taken such a long hiatus? The Smashing Pumpkins. I started to get back into them recently because they're mm -hmm. getting relevant again. They're doing more stuff on social media. And I'm like, these Smashing Pumpkins, I'm looking forward to getting into their records. But Pearl Jam was one of the few that's been releasing records consistently for what is it now? 30 years? 20? Yeah. Fucking 30 years. Go back to 1991. And they're all great. Man. And they're all great. They're still say what you want about like, oh, they're not as loud and grungy as they used to be. I'm like, yeah, but they're still trying they're writing great music like it's yeah well that, it's look awesome. they, they made their radio hits now they can make the music for themselves yeah like that's the yeah. way that i look at it they're still going to sell out uh, you know um yeah. amphitheaters like they're they're going to yeah. be they're going to be gigantic forever yeah but yeah so uh, I, I i would be exactly the same it's like once you've made a hundred it's like once you made a hundred million bucks and someone says hey you want to do this for your hundred thousand dollars you're like i've got my money i want to do what's fun so like if they've got their hits, they're gonna do what's fun. I totally agree. And I, I think anyone would get to the same position. And their fans, they're rabid. What are their fans called, man? What are they called? Pearl Jam fans? Yeah, Pearl Jam's fans, the hardcore motherfuckers that are like dumping on us because of that one thing. God, I don't Whatever even know. Whatever their name is. The Jammies? The Jammies? That'd be funny. We should put that up. The Jammies are happy. We should the put point that, that up was, on their subreddit. Yeah. Hey, Jammies. 
Hey, Jammies, just wanted to let you know that we support your passion because we think Pearl Jam hasn't, they've aged like a fine oh, wine. Oh, it's the 10 Club. <laughs> the 10 Club. Yeah. Real, real, real creative, guys. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we're Sorry, gonna get, you started We're going to get every Pearl Jam started it, guys. Every you started Pearl it. It's only fun. It's just rock and roll. Us. It's not like we're going to war with Russia. All right, what's next? <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, Eddie Vedder, he was the last one to actually join the band. So as we've talked about before, go back to Mother Love Bone, those previous episodes. You had Stone Gossard, Jeff Ament. Uh, they had kind of gone uh, and moved forward. They ended up jamming with Mike McCready. They formed Temple of the Dog with uh, Chris Cornell, released that one album. And then uh, Vedder got a hold of a demo tape that had been kind of floating around. And he had received it from one of the, um, I think it was the former Chili Peppers drummer. I don't know if I'm getting that right, though. Um, Remind me to tell you a fun story about the Chili Peppers drummer. Um, that I, one of my favorite stories about the Chili Peppers drummer ever. Yes. They, why, um, I mean, former former Chili Peppers drummer, uh, Jack Irons. He had this demo yeah. that was kind of really just like instrumentals, some reworked uh, um, Mother Love Bone stuff that was what became the album 10, essentially. And so mm. he had flown up to Seattle. He was going to audition for the band and that's how he ended up on Temple of the Dog because there was those yeah. parts that Chris Cornell couldn't sing or he was just struggling to in that moment and Vedder just went in belted it out and you know that's the rest was history at that point yeah. to, you know to spout off a cliche for you so he actually flew up there to audition for the band it wasn't like he knew a guy and they lived around the corner from each other no I believe that he um, I think he had sent them a tape back and that's where they were like, so what, all right. What was he in before? And better was he was in, in a band, band before? He was in a band called Bad Radio down in San right, Diego. That's right. And this right. is, again, this is kind of teasing to that whole Kurt Cobain thing because mm. when it came to um, uh, Vetter coming up, one of the things that Cobain had a problem with was these people are moving to Seattle from Los Angeles <laughs> and other areas, throwing on a flannel and essentially yeah. saying that they're grunge. And yeah. pe a lot of people pointed that at. Eddie Vedder because he was from Southern California. So. I, I, all that shit just falls into the basket of they hate us because they ain't us. <laughs> yeah, I'm serious. It's like as soon as soon as someone gets if, if if Eddie Vedder had fallen on his face and sucked, no one would have said anything. As soon as like he's great and we're a little jealous because this was our town, I'm like, dude, yeah, you're Kurt Cobain. But you're uh, Kurt it's Cobain. Cobain. It's cool. It's it's but cool. It, yeah. But but one of the things too, and again, I don't want to get too much into the Cobain stuff because that's going to be in the next episode. No, we're going to get to that. Yeah, you're right. Let's keep moving. Let's, let's yeah, keep moving. <clears throat> All right. So this is <laughs> this I love. The whole album was recorded in a month and was really an excuse for the band to tour. Many of the songs were instrumental jams or reworked Mother Love Bone songs that Better ended up writing on. I love this because every album that I have ever found truly inspired, and that's not to say that it's inspiring. There's a difference. When you find an album inspiring or a piece of music inspiring, it's because it speaks to you and you go, oh, I relate to that in a certain way on an emotional level and I hear that it's like the lyrics are speaking to me. To hear a piece of music that sounds inspired means that the people who made it were in a truly inspired headspace while they were making it. And you can be inspired and be in an inspired headspace and still not translate it perfectly, but this album is one of those albums where you go, man, these guys were just in the zone, they they smashed it out they were a great band they were all great players there was a great fucking chemistry they didn't fix too much it was like you can really hear it in the record and the fact that it was like and the, and the fact that there you know you put a deadline on place and you go well we, and the fact that they did it to go on tour it can guarantee you you go okay we've got one month we got to write a record and we got to go on tour so it better be jamming because we want people to go crazy at the show 
So there's a really great incentive. I mean, sorry, there's a really great objective there by the band to go, we got to do it quickly. We got to make it sound great so that people fucking love it and go gawk fucking crazy at the show. And, and you put all that pressure on the right people and you get an album like 10 and it's fucking great. Yeah, this is again, this is one of those albums that it's, I don't like using the word perfection because it's, it, I mean, it's truly just, it's your own opinion. But for me, this is one of the biggest albums that, that's ever been made. Um, yeah. And it was, it's interesting that uh, kind of going back. So there was that demo that was floating around um, and that's the one that, that Vetter had gotten a hold of. So Alive was originally titled Dollar Short. Once was originally titled, and I don't know if I'm going to get this right, and this will be one that the uh, the, um, the oh, they're going to tear you up on this. The jammies are going to tear me up on. <laughs> I'm not calling you the Ten Club. I'm sorry. I'm going to call you the jammies. Uh, once was originally titled Aegean Crave. You think that's how that's? It's A G Y T I A N. Aegean. It's probably that. I'm sure they'll let us know, Brandon. Okay, I'll be sure to make that a promo. Jammies. Yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, and Black was also titled E Ballad. Uh, so one of my questions for you is um, going through the song title process. Do you have a song that sticks out, whether it's Sick Puppies or whether it's a solo song where it was titled something else and then it was like that for the longest time and then it was at the very end, it switched to something like no, the, the, well, the title that, I was, Yeah, I was thinking about it. There's been a lot. Usually what happens is, and I've always loved it, right? I've always loved it when bands release a song that's called Untitled. I've always thought that's the dopest thing ever. And I love it when like the fact that it's E ballad, you know that they, they call it E ballad because it's in the key of E. That's how you usually title songs. If you don't, if it doesn't have a solid hook and you're not sure and whatever, and you're just, while you're writing songs, you go, well, well there's, this, there's, there's five songs we're working on. They're untitled, they're half finished. Or which one do you want to start on? The, the E ballad. And then it's fucking called the E ballad. That's what you call it. And everyone calls it that. And I love it when bands, personally for me, I love it when bands stick with it. You go, yeah, it's it's alive. That's the line in the thing. But if you called it E ballad and then put brackets alive, there's just a, I mean, I know that it's probably not a popular opinion, but I think it's dope when you just add that element of fun to it. It takes a little bit of the seriousness out of the whole equation of like music is art and everything. As a, It lends you into the whole process. And I've seen like one of my favorite ones there was a b-side on a silver chair single called punk song 2 and this it's obvious what that is and i'm like that's fucking dope just fuck it just play the fucking it's punk just play the fucking song so then okay but no, I, I never had that i never had that happen where it came to the point where i, I was gonna change it usually but that's because with me Usually what happens with me is I'll start a chord progression and a melody. The melody never finds full form until I've kind of found the phrase within the song that really hooks the melody. So the, the melody and the lyrics work together. And once the melody is hooked to the lyrics, then that's kind of the name of the song. That's kind, that's of, kind you, of always sticks. Odd One. I know you love it when I sing Odd One to you. I you love guys, it when you, you can sing see it on his face if you're not watching this on YouTube. You need I'm to very, see the look on his no, face when I say it. We're gonna have to do. We're gonna have to do three, two, one. That's great, man. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, so talking about E ballad, can you do a song in E right now with the title "Dollars Short"? I need to. I never was too good at math or sports 
So when I got to the station, I came up a dollar short. Yeah. Okay, you know you have to do that now, right? Like that's gonna be a new song. Like that we're we're making that a full song. I'm telling you right now. Blow up shim socials if you think that, that like that would be a good song. That needs to be a that needs right. to be a total song there. But anyway, next next fact is for you. And this one actually goes into that tour a little bit that they were getting out on the road for. <clears throat> so after the release of 10, Pearl Jam went on tour and halfway through their own North American tour, they canceled the rest of the show and ended up opening for the Red Hot Chili Peppers on the Blood Sugar Sex Magic Tour. I heard about this. And then who opened for Pearl Jam towards the end of it? I remember, it did, no. Oh my god, I, I heard about this that there was one epic tour in the 90s that actually like another I think it was like it was Nirvana, Pearl Jam and Red Hot Chili Peppers or Smashing Pumpkins and Nirvana, like uh, Pearl Jam and the Peppers, but it was like this thing where it was like the perfect fucking early 90s tour that just blew the whole world in half. We should check out who else was on that tour cuz I remember it when you find it you'll be like god damn that would have been the best show in the world. Can you find it? Um, I'm trying to find it right now, but for some reason, it, like the links aren't directly sending me where I need to go. It, so. I remember hearing about that, that it was like, and the, and the reason that Pearl Jam took the tour was because there was some other amazing band that was on the tour that had to cancel for some other reason. So even if they hadn't joined the tour, it was epic. Fucking the Peppers have got some of the best. I'm amazed that they, they headlined over everyone for their whole career. Yeah, I think it's going to be that. one of those the, ones I got to, uh, oh wait, hold on. Yeah. Did I get this? Did I That's all good. It? We don't want to take too long. So go to your one cruising. Cruising? Is it cruising or crossing or crocking? Cruising. Crossing. Fucking the pajama party is going to have a field day with that one. <laughs> the jammies. So he was only, uh, so the drummer, cruising, he was only in Pearl Jam for a short time. He ended oh, up. You know what I just realized? You know what I just realized? The re oh, this is going to, this is going to kill him. Okay. This is going to, this is going to get us hated by everyone. You ready for this? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, know always, I'm always ready to be hated. Do you know why? Oh my God. This is so bad. They're going to fucking, they're going to destroy us. You ready? You ready for this? Uh -huh. Why is the Pearl Jam fan club called the Jammies? Because they're like Nirvana in pajamas. <laughs> there you go. They're going to, it's not supposed to be funny. It's supposed to be something that gets clickbait. Let's be real. <laughs> okay. Because they will just go, you motherfucker, they'll lose it. God. Yeah. It's right. like, dude, like when I, I'm just like, just take a step back. Realize that we good. love this music and we love it along with you. And yeah. just because we're having fun doesn't mean it's necessarily at your expense. Although calling you the jammies kind of is. Uh, so Kirsten, he was only with the band for a short time. He ended up leaving right after the recording sessions were done so that he could check into rehab. Uh, and he said, uh, quote, it was a great experience. I felt from the beginning of that band that it was something special. They had to let me go. I couldn't stop drinking and it was causing problems. They gave me many chances, but I couldn't get it together. I mean, so unfortunately, that was really the very brief time that he was there as their drummer. But then ultimately down the road, I believe the late 90s was when Matt Cameron came in and Matt Cameron um, I believe started with Soundgarden. So you want to yeah. talk about a guy that's been able to bounce around and just be a part of some of the biggest acts, man. Well, I think Matt Cameron is what people underestimate, well, don't underestimate him. I think he gets, he doesn't get the credit that he deserves a lot of the time. He is a, just a phenomenal drummer. Like he's, when you hear the things that he does on Soundgarden records, when he gets his moments, there's no one that can even think about like that. You can't even put half the parts that he comes up with. He is an amazing drummer. It's not a, it's not big. Matt Cameron isn't in Pearl Jam just because he bounced over from Soundgarden. 
He's in Pearl Jam because he's one of the best fucking drummers in the world, straight up. But people don't really think of him that way. They just think of him, the guy that was in Pearl Jam, or the guy that was in Soundgarden that's in Pearl Jam now. <clears throat> but no, he's, he's, I, I remember one of the first, seriously, one of the first times that I ever paid attention to drums was the first few CDs that I ever got when I got my Discman, my little disc player. And I got some super, uh, not super unknown, it was down on the upside. And uh, there's a drum roll on burden in my hand that just i would just rewind it over and over again just to hear that triplet this fucking snare roll that he did that was just perfect and it's just a fucking snare roll but i remember looking forward to the snare roll that's how good he is anyway i found out my thing hold on well, oh, yeah, i found go, out go, go, go. so that tour the red uh, red hot chili peppers yeah pearl jam was the opening act the band in the middle yeah the smashing pumpkins yes that's right. Imagine that so. goddamn tour, man. Dude, Holy that would be crap. amazing. At that era, it was like 93. And, and again, I've said this on this podcast. That would have been 91. I said this on this Fuck. podcast. I don't even really like the Red Eye Chili Peppers. I saw them live. Wasn't super impressed. Um, mm. I've never been a big fan of their music. I mean, I dig it, but it's not necessarily anything that like I've gravitated towards. But to see that in that moment <laughs> would have been just amazing. <clears throat> One of my favorite stories about the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and then we're going to get to my next point, which Brandon has written for me. My favorite story about the Red Hot Chili Peppers is that when they auditioned Chad Smith to be in the band, he was a hair metal dude, mm -hmm. but he played like Chad Smith. So they 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 loved him and they said, hey man, we've done the audition, da 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 If you want to be in the band, come back tomorrow, but you got to shave your head, you got to cut your hair. And he was like, yeah, I'll be here tomorrow, but that ain't happening. And they were like, dude, don't come in tomorrow if you're not going to cut that shit off. And they psyching him out. And he just walked into rehearsal the next day with his fucking mullet with a fuck with his fucking dick in his hand. Like, what do you, what do you, fuck you, let's <laughs> fucking play. And they, and they just were like, the, in the book, I think they wrote it in the book for Scar Tissue that they respected him even, they, they would have respected him for doing it, but they respected him more for not doing it. Mm -hmm. For being like, dude, just shut up and play. It's more rock and, and roll and it, to, to, yeah. to basically give him the finger and say, nah, I'm not gonna yeah. do that for you yeah. guys. <laughs> But I just, I, and the fact that they reacted the way they did, they've got, but that band has a truly amazing spirit within it. Regardless of if you like their music or whatever, they've got a unique voice and the spirit within all of their songs is really a very unique voice and spirit. That's the thing I on love the about one, that band. And, and really quickly too, on that note, the one thing that they get a lot of flack for was when they were on uh, the halftime show for the Super Bowl and people were like, well, they're not playing their own instruments. My understanding when it comes to the halftime show of the Super Bowl Nobody does it live. Like it's very rare. You talking about when they were with Bruno Mars? Um, when they came on with Bruno Mars, yeah, they was did that, their own. Uh, yeah, they, they they came out with Bruno Mars a few years ago. Yeah, yeah, and and people were like, "Oh my god, the Red Hot Chili Peppers weren't actually playing." Like none of them are. This it's the Super Bowl halftime show. It's it's a show. It's not an actual concert. You're not there to hear their musical prowess. You're there to hear the hits. They're up there for like what 15 minutes. Yeah, you're not going to get the full shebang. Dude, Eminem only got to do Lose Yourself at this past Super yeah. Bowl for crying out loud. I love, I was going to say that in the Lose, we're, we're going down the rabbit hole, we got to yeah. come back. But in the Lose Yourself one, I remember seeing the drummer and the, the backing band for Eminem when they were doing Lose Yourself because it's such a great pocket and great groove. And I'm like, oh man, that drummer is crushing it. And you see the drummer's face and he's like, yeah, man, I'm playing Lose Yourself. And Eminem's right there. The drummer's having a great time. And then you realize there's no microphones on the kit. Yeah. There's nothing. But yeah, he looks show. exactly like he's playing it. And I'm like, oh, that's right. It's a Super Bowl. And you forget. So just everyone can just shut up. 
Punk okay. <laughs> All right, and we do, we're going to so do like two, album, more, two more points here, and then we got to wrap up this episode. Like, right. This is how fast so, these episodes are flying the album by. Was, the album 10 was not an immediate success. A year after its release, it broke onto the top 10 of the Billboard 200, when they mattered, um, by reaching number eight. It would eventually hit number two for four weeks, the number one spot at that time was the Billy Ray Cyrus album, Some Gave It All. Yeah. Fuck. I still, man, I still remember. That was like the biggest effing thing oh. at that time. Like this yeah. this album, it was ridiculous. And it was even more so, did you have dance class in like PE when you were a kid? No, we didn't have that. We did. From middle okay. school into high school. And you did Achy Breaky Heart? Did you do Boston? And that dancing? was the Mind song. And it, was, and it got played over. And yeah. over and over because you're learning to dance. So they just kept yeah. playing yeah. the yeah. same. That's song. like Chinese water oh. torture. Yeah. It was, man, God. Like it was just, it was brutal. It was absolutely brutal. But that, of course, as we're delving into the grunge, you know, um, era here for the history of rock, yeah. that album's going to come up all the damn time because that was the <laughs> one. Like that was the goddamn album that was constantly yeah. there. But then moving on it's to the like final the point. It's the grunge kryptonite, man. Before we it was before we uh, wrap up this episode, the final one here is that ten. It's been a total of two hundred and sixty-four weeks on the Billboard charts, making one of the top fifteen charting albums ever. That's amazing. How many fucking years is that? That's like four years. Wait. Uh, well, you got fifty-two weeks in a year. What, uh, so you're looking at about five years. Yeah, it's five fucking five years. Ten was on the charts for five years. Do you know what album spent the most time on the Billboard two hundred? No. I'm gonna put a pin in that, and this is a tease. Oh, for the you next mother! Episode. All right. Well, no, because I want to. I want to. I want to double. Right. I want to right. fact check it too. I want to make sure I get it right because right. I want to make sure, like, the the misinformation in this episode was only about Pearl Jam jammies. Sorry. No, I'm <laughs> They're gonna destroy <laughs> They're gonna us. Hate as us soon back. as I said that Nirvana Jesus. in pajamas thing, I felt. I felt pain in my chest. I'm like, my instinct was wrong. I shouldn't have said that. We well, the funny that. thing is, we can we could cut that as a promo and put it up there, and guaranteed none of them will actually come watch this. No. They're going to no be way. so enraged. These assholes are just making fun of Pearl Jam. Yeah. <laughs> Where's my Sorry, vegan guys. breakfast? With, <laughs> with all due respect, guys, you started it. We love Pearl Jam. We wanted to share the experience with you, and you guys just took it. Oh, God, yeah, and one person was like, I don't think uh, No, no, no. Let's not go, Nego. Let's oh, go. Let's go. So here we go. On. Anyway, come back next week. We're going to keep covering one of the most seminal and amazing albums in the history of rock, yeah, period, man. and also in the history of rock podcast. Yeah. So in uh, and go ahead and leave the comments. Go in the comments section. Tell us what you think about the record, about the, if you have any disagreements with what we've said, any extra commentary, or if you fact check something and realize that we got it wrong. We'll see you next week. And is there anything else I need to think of, Brandon? I don't um, want to cut you off. No, you make, sure you're, <coughs> make sure you're liking, subscribing. You can check out all of our socials. God. You're fucking, all right, I'll take it from here. Yeah, take, uh, take just, it just, they're, 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 they're in the links. Just follow the links, all right? And we'll see you next week. This is the History of Rock. His name is Brandon. He's the DJ. His name is Shim. He is the rock star. Class dismissed. <laughs>